section forty one of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume two chapter seven in hope a king doth go to war in hope a lover lives for long in hope a merchant sails full far in hope just men do suffer wrong in hope the ploughman sows his seed thus hope helps thousands at their need then faint not heart among the rest whatever chance hope thou the best richard allison hitherto the weather had been fine and though fine weather in any town but more especially in a little dull dirty provincial one never appears to less advantage still it was a relief to gertrude to saunter alone in her aunt's little garden and sometimes to extend her rambles to the neighbouring fields but two days of incessant rain deprived her even of this resource and she found herself shut up in the same apartment with her mother and her aunts unable to take any interest either in their occupations or conversation where people's hearts are in unison a very small space indeed suffices for their bodies but where there is no blending of tastes and pursuits social intercourse necessarily becomes irksome and depressive and we sigh for even the joyless freedom of solitude in the narrow dull streets of barnford there was little to amuse or attract but gertrude sat at the window most part of the morning gazing she knew not at what perhaps there are few stronger proofs of aberration of intellect than that of a person looking out of a window where there is nothing to be seen and at another time she would have smiled in scorn at the idea of ever being reduced to so pitiful a resource certainly the objects upon which she looked with vacant eye were not of the most attractive order an old gentlewoman sat knitting her hands at one side of her body her head at the other in the manner usually practised by expert knitters this old gentlewoman then sat knitting a large thick-shaped white lambswool stocking with wires and quills like those upon the fretful porcupine stuck in her girdle and which her well-trained fingers ever and anon exchanged and adjusted in a manner which none but a knitter could comprehend or explain it is a galling thing to those whose hands will not move a finger without the intervention of the head thus to behold other hands performing all the intricacies of heel and toe apparently by their own free will and accord there are few servants who do not require to be occasionally looked after but these trusty and vigilant members never appeared to relax in their labours though the eyes of their mistress never were once directed towards them but seemed to be in active observance of all that was to be seen beyond the sphere of her own dwelling much might be said upon this subject but doubtless my readers love a well-knit story as well as a well-knit stocking and it would be like letting down a stitch to enter upon a long digression at present at the next house a great washing was going on maid-servants with 
pinned-up sleeves crimson arms and loose caps came occasionally to the door to discharge tubs full of soapsuds while a roaring infant was dandled at the window by a little dirty dog-eared-looking minx with her hair en papillote on the other side of the knitting lady nothing was visible to the naked eye but the sound of an old cracked jingling spinet was heard unceasingly practising barbado's bells and nancy dawson below was a shop and over the half-door leant the shopmaster with a long sharp raw nose looking as anxiously as ever did sister anne to see if there was anybody coming now and then the street was enlivened with the clank of a pair of pattens at another time a spattered cow was driven reluctantly along lowing most plaintively there was also an occasional cart shaking the houses in its progress as it rumbled over the rugged pavement a hoarse shrieking ballad singer made an attempt to collect an audience by vociferating bright chanticleer proclaims the dawn and spangles deck the thorn the lowing herds now quit the lawn the lark springs from the corn dogs huntsmen round the window throng fleet tower leads the cry arise the burden of my song this day a stag must die with a hey ho chevy hark forward hark forward tantivy hark hark tantivy this day a stag must die this day etc but his only listeners were a boy going to school and a servant girl bound on a message which required dispatch these were sounds of hopeless misery but the blowing of a horn with what is it not fraught to the watching heart and listening ear gertrude strained her eyes but a long coach covered with red cloaks and umbrellas was just setting off there was not even the hopes and fears of an arrival to agitate the day was beginning to close in dinner had been ordered and gertrude with a deep sigh was turning from the window when again the sound of wheels was heard she turned a carriage was in sight it approached in the dubious straggling manner of one uncertain of its destination the glasses were up and dimmed with rain but oh agitation unspeakable as it stopped for a moment opposite the window gertrude recognized the well-known delmore crest for some moments she saw heard nothing all was silent tumult in her mind as she thought he is come even now he seeks me she looked up the carriage had moved on a few doors but there it stood she saw the hind wheels but she could see no more save that it seemed to be causing a little bustle heads were put out from the opposite windows and two or three people came out of their dwellings and crossed the street to it every instant seemed an age to gertrude and some minutes elapsed when again it was set in motion it turned she saw the horses heads they were almost at the door there was no longer doubt it was soon reality the carriage drew up a loud knock at the door startled even the miss blacks the bustle of an arrival was heard below what was said gertrude heard not a mist was before her eyes a rushing sound in her ears the door was thrown open and in an instant the whole illusion vanished as if by the touch of some fell enchanter for in pattered miss pratt End of section forty one